Jesus House in pursuit of God, discovering purpose, maximizing potential, impacting lives. This message is being brought to you from Jesus House London. God bless you. Christian life is easy. The likelihood is that you're not living it. But everybody must have an inspiration to press on despite all the challenges. And that's why the scripture said, looking unto who? The author and the finisher of earth. Dr. Okeonuzo is the president of Kingdom Life Seminar Global Outreach, a ministry started in 2011 with a vision to raise men and women globally who walk daily footprints of Jesus. He has authored several books including the best-selling Pathway to Conversational Prayer, You May Kiss the Bride and many more. He's known as the pastor's pastor for the grace God has given him to mentor many pastors in different parts of the world. He's also a consultant nephrologist and the chief medical director for the first private dialysis center in Nigeria, the Life Support Medical Center which he pioneered with his wife, Dr. Marion Nuzo, in 1986. They are blessed with four children. Please welcome to Pursuit of God 2020, Dr. Oke Onuzo. Our meditation today is uh, intimacy with God. But our focus is on living a life of intimacy with God. Living a life of intimacy with God. Let's bow our heads and pray. Our Heavenly Father, who has loved us so much that you sent your Son, Jesus Christ, to bring us into fellowship and union with you. Lord, what you did to Adam and Eve, you desired fellowship. And now, in Christ, you have brought us in. Oh, may your Spirit draw us in that we may have intimate fellowship with you, to the end that your kingdom may prosper in us and through us. Let everyone under the sound of my voice receive inspiration for intimate fellowship with you. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our Bible reading is taken from Romans chapter 8, from verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin, he condemns sin in the flesh, that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. 
For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Verse 9. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Now if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life. Because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Now, the first thing we need to know is that there is nothing mysterious about intimacy with God, nothing magical, and nothing out of the ordinary. It is not rocket science. Intimacy is well within the reach of every believer. The second thing we need to know is that intimacy with God is easier now under grace than ever before because the word of God is available and the knowledge of God is within reach of every believer. The dread of God that made the Hebrews say to Moses in Deuteronomy 5:25-27. Now, therefore, why should we die? For this great fire will consume us. If we hear the voice of the Lord our God anymore, then we shall die. For who is here? Who is there of all flesh? Who has heard the voice of the living God speaking from the midst of the fire as we have and lived? You go near and hear all that the Lord our God may say. And tell us all that the Lord our God says to you. And we will hear and do it. So let us begin again from Amos chapter 3, verse 3. Can two walk together unless they are agreed? This agreement, like we said the other time, is within the covenants that God made with man. Those who seek intimacy outside of God's covenants will simply frustrate themselves. For it will be difficult to establish any meaningful faith relationship. The covenant we have with God now is the covenant of grace that is in Christ Jesus. In this covenant, we have been invited to be one with God through Christ, as revealed in John chapter 14, verse 20. At that day, Jesus said, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. 
The language of intimacy is faith and obedience. Of faith, the scriptures teach us that the just shall live by faith. In Romans 1.17 And that without faith, it is impossible to please God. In Hebrews 11.6 Of obedience, we have two key verses that reveal that obedience is the road to intimacy. These scriptures are John 14, 21. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I will love him and manifest myself to him. And John 14, 23, 24, our Lord Jesus said, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Nothing can be more intimate. He who does not love me does not keep my words. And the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. Finally, by way of preamble, we must establish that the tool for intimacy is the communion of the Holy Spirit. The will of God revealed and unrevealed is communicated to our quickened human spirit by the Spirit of God so that we may walk in the will of God always. That way, our lives on earth will be in harmony with the will of God in heaven. Now, let's go to fabrics of intimacy. The major obstacle to intimacy with God is sin and all the disobedience that goes with it. I have always said that just like we know our friends, God also knows his friends. Our Lord Jesus Christ told us how to be God's friends in two important scriptures. The first is John chapter 8, verse 28. Then Jesus said to them, When you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing of myself. But as my Father taught me, I speak these things. Verse 29, And he who sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone, for I always do those things that please him. Now, Jesus has outlined for us here the rudiments of intimacy. Lifting up the Son of Man is about his crucifixion, which is all about the determination he had to do the will of God, no matter the cost. And then he said to us, I do nothing of myself. It speaks to the control of the Holy Spirit, who is constantly searching the mind of God in order to download to us all that the Father expects of us in a given situation. And then he says, my father taught me. That speaks to the revelation knowledge of God, which we gain from the study of the Bible through the illumination of the Holy Spirit. It also speaks of the insights given to us by the same Holy Spirit to sort out diverse circumstances and situations that confront us and determine and control our responses. And then he said again, I speak what the Father has taught me. That reveals to us that the living word incarnated 
and became the son of man and lived like the son of man, which means he maintained all links with the Father through the Holy Spirit. He thus revealed to us the manner of life we ought to live in order to share deep intimacy with God. And then again he said, He who sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone. Because of my complete obedience to his will and my singular desire to please him in all things. This he also repeated in John 14, 30 to 31. I will no longer talk, talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming, and he has nothing in me. But that the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father gave me commandment, so I do. Arise, let us go from here. Here again we see a major fabric of intimacy, giving no room to the devil. Hear him say, the ruler of this world is coming, and he has nothing in me. Intimacy begins when we become serious about leading godly lives daily. Because of the nature of God revealed to us in 1 John 1.5, this is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. The next statement has to do with absolute obedience. I want the world to know that as the Father gives me commandment, so I must do, no matter the cost. So, having had all this background, let us begin on the road to intimacy. The road to intimacy begins with the new birth. The scripture that best reveals this is in John chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. We also get support from John 3, 3 and 6 and verse 6. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Verse 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Through the new birth, the communion of the Holy Spirit is re-established between the spirit of God and the spirit in man. How do we know then that we are truly born again? First, there is the assurance of the Holy Spirit revealed in Romans 8.16. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. There is a connection between the Spirit of God and the Spirit in man that establishes that something deep, something mystical has taken place inside us. Following on that, the reality of the new birth is seen and known in the struggle against the old way of life as revealed in 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, 
all things have become new. This struggle is part and parcel of walking in the Spirit. So let us go then and look at walking in the Spirit because these are all the steps in the progression of intimacy. A passage tells us in Romans chapter 8 verse 1, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Those who have given their lives to Christ must walk in the Spirit in order to actualize their salvation. Let us note that unless we walk in the Spirit, intimacy with God is unattainable. The reason is because we need the Holy Spirit to monitor the sensitive spiritual parameter of divine pleasure and displeasure. King David knew he would lose his intimacy with God. And that was why he prayed in Psalm 51, verses 10 to 12, creating me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me by your generous spirit. Now we are told of three ways we can walk before God. We can walk daily as the natural man, or as the carnal man, or as the spiritual man, as revealed in 1 Corinthians 2 from verse 14. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual, he judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Those who lead godly lives can only do so by the power and guidance of the Holy Spirit and not by trying to keep the law as revealed in Romans chapter 8, verses 2 to 4 that we read. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead we follow the Spirit. But we must not discountenance the flesh and its power to derail the life in the Spirit. As revealed in Romans 8, 5-8, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws, and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. We have to say bye-bye to intimacy if we are controlled by our sinful nature. 
That's why the Bible says in Galatians chapter 5 verse 16 that the flesh and the spirit are contrary to each other. They're always fighting for dominance. Now, this is where our job in the pursuit of intimacy with God really lies. It is in the choices we make and the desires we entertain. In this, we must stand firm as revealed in Romans 6 from 11. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin exercise dominion in your mortal bodies to make you obey their passions. No longer present your members to sin as instruments of wickedness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and present your members to God as instruments of righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law but under grace. Slavery is not a pleasant word to the ears. Nevertheless, the Bible describes spiritual life as a simple choice of whose slave you and I want to be. In Romans chapter 6, verse 16, the Bible says, Do you not know that if you present yourself to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God, verse 17 says, that you, having once been slaves of sin, have become obedient from the heart to the form of teaching to which you were entrusted. Verse 18, and that you, having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. I always remember the late pastor, S.G. Elton. He told us a story how he used to wear um, an apron vest, front and back. That is a placard. On the front he wrote, I am a fool for Jesus. At the back he wrote, Whose fool are you? His testimony of intimacy with God is quite astounding. Although he had never been to Nigeria, he heard from God to pack up and come to Nigeria, settle in the town of Elisha, and await God's next instruction. So, he came to Nigeria in the mid-30s with his wife, his daughter Ruth, and his dog he called Elisha. So he never, he won't forget. He came to Nigeria and spent over 55 years serving the Lord with Elisha as his base. He died in Elisha and was buried in Elisha. He told us before he passed away that at the resurrection of the saints, he will be with the Nigerian contingent. When we become slaves of righteousness, we make the road to intimacy easier for ourselves. The Holy Spirit that lives in us will not be grieved and he will always be there to search the mind of God for us and distill God's will to our minds so that we'll always walk in agreement with God. This is why we must choose daily, nay, moment by moment, to follow the guidance and leadership of the Holy Spirit. If we are to escape the lusts of the flesh, and the tricks of the devil. Romans 8.14 tells us, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. 
also, it is the Holy Spirit that supplies the inner strength to withstand the tricks of the devil. As revealed in Ephesians 6, 10 and 11, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his great power. Put on the whole armor of God so that you can fight against the devil's evil tricks. Now, we must look squarely on how we can overcome the obstructing flesh. Because the flesh, when we live according to the flesh, we die. And intimacy is impossible when we live according to the flesh. And that's why our scripture, the passage that we read, says in Romans chapter 8 from 11, If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies also through his spirit that dwells in you. So then, brothers and sisters, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the spirit of God are children of God. Now, let us make it quite clear that it is only the Spirit that can put the appetite for sin to death. The process is simple. First, there must be the desire to put the flesh to death. And the desire must be genuine, as revealed in Colossians 3, 5-9. Put to death, therefore, whatever in you is earthly, fornication, impurity, passion, loss, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. On account of this, the wrath of God is coming on those who are disobedient. These are the ways you also once followed when you were living that life. But now you must get rid of all such things, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive language from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have stripped off the old self with his practices. The Bible says God's anger comes on those who fail to abide by this. Those who continue in these practices. He said, God's anger. That's what, in other words, this is the opposite road to intimacy. When we allow sin and the flesh to dominate us, we can never attain to an intimate fellowship with God. When the desire is sincere to break away from this, then we ask the Spirit in prayer to put the flesh to death in the area that we are troubled. When we rise from the prayer, we begin to confess that we are dead to the sin. This is when the mystical solution takes place. Sooner than later, we discover that the appetite for the lost has simply died in a way we cannot explain. And, and that, is why, that is why the scriptures say to us in Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, that if you can believe with your heart, and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is your Savior. You will be saved. For with the heart we believe unto righteousness, but with the mouth we must confess to receive our salvation. Now we come to one of the most vital tools of intimacy, and that is the communion of the Holy Spirit. Communion of the Holy Spirit is synonymous with conversational prayer. To those who may find 
communion of the Holy Spirit difficult. Let me recommend the very first book I wrote, which is titled Pathway to Conversational Prayer. Pathway to Conversational Prayer. This book is available on Kindle on Amazon.com. I wrote that book because I used to give talk on hearing from God. And usually, after the talk, the first question will always be, how can I know it is God speaking to me? And as a result of frustration, I said, I need a book. But after I have given that talk and teaching on how to hear from God, anyone who is still confused can then go and sit down and read the book. And then they'll be able to clear all the areas that they need to clear. But we need to understand communion because it is the real channel through which intimacy is established and controlled and maintained. Let's take Abraham for an example. In Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 4. Now the Lord said to Abraham, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and the one who curses you I will curse and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Verse 4, so Abraham went as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Now what this uh, the scripture is telling us is that a man can hear God so clearly that he will uproot himself from his hometown and travel over a thousand miles to another place and there live as a stranger. And you ask him, what are you doing here? He said, I heard the voice of Almighty God say to me, move and come here. And that's why I'm here. So to be able to do that, a man must be certain that it is God speaking to him. A man must have the experience of having heard from God repeatedly in various circumstances. And that experience helps to buttress uh, the, 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 what appears to be a task of trying to hear from God. Now, the Lord spoke to Abraham. Abraham heard the Lord clearly and followed in obedience. We have another example of that from Abraham in Genesis chapter 17, verse 1. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. And I will make my covenant between me and you and will make you exceedingly numerous. Then Abraham fell on his face and God said to him, Abraham, Abraham fell on his face and God said to him, Come, come, I will take you to view the stars of heaven. If you can number these stars, you can number your descendants. And then in verse 6, the Bible says, Abraham believed God and it was counted for him as righteousness. Okay, so Abraham had God. He held dialogue. He held conversation with God. And because of the assurances that God gave him, 
He believed God even though he was 99 years old and continued to wait for that promise to come through. That's why I can say without fear of contradiction that conversation of prayer is the bedrock of intimacy with God. We must hold dialogue with God back and forth, back and forth to steady our work with God on earth and take vital decisions along the way of life. But let's stop at um, uh, the, the, the port of Samuel the prophet. In 1 Samuel chapter 9 from verse 15, we read these very fascinating words. Now the Lord had told Samuel in his ear that day before Saul came, saying, Tomorrow, about this time, I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin, and you shall anoint him commander over my people, Israel, that he may save my people from the hand of the Philistines, for I have looked upon my people, because their cry has come to me. And verse 17, And when Samuel saw Saul, the Lord said to him, There he is, the man of whom I spoke to you. This one shall reign over my people. The story of Samuel's dialogue with God is really very fascinating. Because in 1 Samuel chapter 3, we learn that the first time God called Samuel, he went and answered Eli. And God called him three times, and three times he went and answered Samuel. And the scriptures say to us in verse 7, this is because Samuel did not yet know the Lord. Neither was the word of God revealed yet revealed to him. So what the story of Samuel tells us is that, that there is always a time in the life of a man when he or a Christian, when he cannot hear God. Or if he hears God, he cannot tell whether it is God actually speaking. Everybody passes through that phase. Everybody passes through that phase. But after a while, we see Samuel here, you know, facing what you would call a monumental task. There had never been a king in Israel. So there are no royal families, there are no dynasties to choose from. Samuel had to find a king because the people wanted a king. So God comes to Samuel and whispers in his ear, by this time tomorrow, I will send you the man that will anoint king for my people. And then, at five or around five o'clock to, tomorrow evening, Saul is walking up to him. He said, that's the man I told you. He has come. So, we see immediately the power and the benefit and the great need for conversational prayer with God. Okay? The same thing happened to Samuel in the house of Jason when he went to choose the second king of Israel. In 1 Samuel 16, 6, when they came, he looked on Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed is now before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord does not see as mortals see. They look on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. So Samuel is, is looking for a king. The last one was tall, huge. That was Saul. And then he sees another tall, huge in the house of David. He says, Oh, this must be the king. And God is like, Oh, no, Samuel. Don't make that kind of mistake. His heart is not okay. Right. So, Abinadab came. All the seven sons of Jesse passed through. And Samuel kept saying, 
None of these is the king. And finally, David was brought in. And this is what God said about David. Okay? In verse 13. In verse 12. He sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. The Lord said, Rise and anoint him, for this is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David. And that day forward, Samuel then set out and went to Ramah. So, you can see the power of conversational prayer. If Samuel didn't hear God, what we would have done is, because they brought seven young men, after he had uh, 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 rejected the sixth, he would just pour oil on the seventh. But when God still said, that's not the king, Samuel had to ask Jesse, this can be all your children. He said, yes, as a little boy uh, out in the field looking after the, uh, the sheep. So, okay, go bring him home because we will not sit down until he comes. And then David comes and God whispers to someone, arise, anoint him. This is the king. And from that day, the Bible says, the spirit of the Lord, he came on David. Now let us try and bring um, um, this uh, uh, intimacy, the life of intimacy before God together. Intimacy is mediated through conversational prayer, conducted between the spirit of God indwelling man and the spirit in man. In order to keep this channel of communication open, we must not grieve the Holy Spirit, the very seal of our salvation, as revealed in Ephesians chapter 4.30, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. But if we sin perchance and so threaten the residency of the Holy Spirit within us, we must do what the Bible says in 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not for us only, but also for the sins of the whole world. But how do we know that we have intimacy with God? It is by what the Spirit tells us about the mind of God concerning us to specially encourage us and the revelations He gives us about the journey of life that we are making with Him, which serve to correct us, to warn us, to encourage us, or to tell us about promised blessings so that our faith will be with great expectation. We see this in Genesis chapter 15, verses 1 to 6. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me if I continue childless? And the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, You have given me no offspring, and so a slave born in my house is to be my heir. But the word of the Lord came to him, This man shall not be your heir. No one but your very own child shall be your heir. He brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and count the stars if you are able to count them. Then he said to him, So shall your descendants be. 
and he believed the Lord, and the Lord reckoned it to him as righteousness. Abraham needed great encouragement to continue to soldier on in faith. And God, through that communion, this time through revelation, came to encourage him to say, hold on, hold on. My promise is sure, hold on. The Apostle Paul had similar encouragement in Acts chapter 18, verse 8. We read about Crispus, the chief ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord in Corinth with all his house. And many of the Corinthians, hearing, believed and were baptized. Then spake the Lord to Paul in the night by a vision. Be not afraid, but speak and hold not thy peace. For I am with thee, and no man shall set on thee to hurt thee. For I have much people in this city. And he continued there a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. You know, you and I read letters to the Corinthian church. Paul spent 18 months continuously there. Why? Because of the communion he had with God on, 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 on when, while he was there. The Spirit of God said, I have many people in this city, so get down here, stay here. And when Paul heard that, he stayed there for 18 months. Oh, every one of us needs the communion of the Holy Spirit because that's, that's what we need to guide us in this journey. And that's what we need to know that God is with us, that God is, is working with us, that God is ahead of us, that God is in charge of, of what we're doing. All that constant communion to encourage, to correct, to, 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 to guide. Oh, my brother, my sister, it's indispensable to a closer walk with God. And that's why I encourage you, if you do not hear the voice of the Spirit of God in your heart, kneel down and begin to pray and say, Oh, Lord, my God, since in my heart I can speak, you can speak, the devil can speak, the flesh can speak. Please teach me to recognize your voice so that each time you speak to me, I will know it is you. Sometimes people ask, but how do you know it is God? There is no way another one person can impart that to another. So there's a way I know it's God. One of the ways is, what does he say? If you hear a voice that says, God will never forgive you. God wants you not to forgive somebody. You know immediately from the word of God that that cannot be God. That's why we use the word of God to judge what we hear. But when you hear, yes, encouragement in the way of righteousness, encouragement in the way of godliness, encouragement in the way of humility, in encouragement in the way of service for the Lord, then you know that God is speaking to you because he's speaking from, from his word to our hearts. And sometimes he will lead you to a scripture. The first time I received encouragement, I received it by the word of God, but it was from the Bible. He said to me, go and read Isaiah 50 verse 10. And that Isaiah 50 verse 10 shocked me because say, who is among you that follows the Lord, obeys the voice of his servant and walks in darkness and have no light. I never knew that was possible, that you can love the Lord, you can obey the Lord, you can follow the voice of God's servants, I still walk in darkness and have no light. But the solution is stay on your God. Don't run. Don't run. Don't let the fact that you have no light. You don't know where you, what is happening around you. Don't let that scare you. God is still there. God is very much there. Stay there. God will make it plain. I want to encourage everyone. Conversational prayer is the key. 
bow your head and let us pray. Father, we need to have an intimate fellowship with you so that our journey of life will be steady in your will for our lives so that you will speak to us about the obstacles and the challenges that are ahead of us. You will warn us about the temptations and traps that the devil is putting on our way. Oh Lord, we need intimate fellowship with you so that we can be strong, so that we can be victorious, so that the, the blessings that you have purposed for us, you will tell us time and place like you told Abraham, so that we will be blessed the way you have purposed for us. Father, may, let the spirit of intimacy come upon each and every one under the sound of my voice, that Lord from henceforth we will walk closely with you, hold for a closer walk with God. This is our heart's prayer, our heart's desire. Grant it to us, we pray, for in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to lead someone out there. You see, intimacy is not possible until you are born again. So say this prayer with me, Lord Jesus, please come into my heart now and be my Lord and Savior. I confess with my mouth that you died for my sins. I confess with my mouth that you rose from the dead for my sake. Therefore, Lord, come into my life. Be my Lord and Savior. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And now we will go straight to our communion service. Um, it's important that um, you bring your communion elements and, and uh, let us, uh, uh, if you are watching at home, wherever you are, get your communion uh, elements ready. Now let us um, go to our communion service. We, we begin very quickly from um, 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and we read from verse 23, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night that he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take it, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Let a man examine himself and then eat. In other words, if you sense that something is wrong in your relationship with God, if you sense that you are backsliding from your faith, 
if you sense that you've offended God through disobedience in any way, the Bible didn't say, don't partake of the communion. Examine yourself, repent, and then eat. So that's what we need to do now. So wherever you are, under the sound of my voice, go into prayer and say to Lord, to him, Lord, please forgive me all my sins and help me to forgive everyone and everyone who has offended me. I sim I, and so that all may be ready to partake. I ask you to say with me, O oh Lord my God, please forgive me all my sins. Please wash me in the blood of Jesus. I repent of all my sins. Lord, I receive grace to forgive anyone and everyone who has offended me. And anyone I have offended, I receive grace to make peace with them. That Lord, your word will prosper in my life. For in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Father, here we are. Please forgive us. Please wash away our sins in the blood of Jesus. Please breathe a fresh new life into us. Let your Holy Spirit quicken our spirit. And let us begin to have communion with your spirit. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Remember that communion is an empowerment place. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 53 verse 5, he was wounded. Jesus was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace is upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. And so as you partake of the body and blood of Jesus, let it be your point of encounter for healing, for breaking of chains, for breakthrough into a new life. Let it be your point of contact as we consecrate these elements. So lift up your bread. Lift up your bread. Our Lord Jesus Christ, in the same night that he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples and said, Take it. This is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. Lord, we receive this element of bread from your hand as a symbol, as a representative of the broken body of Christ, who was wounded for our transgressions, who was bruised for our iniquities, by whose stripes we are healed. Father, empower us through as we, by faith, as we receive this element, that the sick may be healed, the oppressed may go free. Those who have obstacles on their path may have those obstacles removed by the power of the Holy Ghost. That Lord, your people will walk and live in victory for the glory of your holy name. For in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. You may eat. Okay, you can uh, bring up your cup one and lift it up before the Lord. In the same manner, after supper, he took the cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to his disciples and said, Drink you all of this, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the remission of sins. Do this as often as you shall drink it 
remembrance of me. Lord, we receive this cup from you with deep gratitude for the sacrifice of your son on the cross of Calvary. And we consecrate it in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit, that Lord, the blood will always speak for us before your presence. That any iniquity, any misdeeds standing against us will be cleaned by the blood of Jesus. That no adversary will get permission before your throne of grace on account of this blood. And Lord, may your blood prevail for us. That when the angels of mischief and death passes our doors, because the blood is on us, they will pass over us. We thank you for this blood and we receive it with thanksgiving. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. May drink. The Bible says in Matthew's Gospel that after they uh, celebrated the communion, they sang a hymn and then they went out. So we take one verse of blessed assurance. <coughs> blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a taste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of blood. Born of his spirit, washed in his blood. This is my story, this is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song. Praising my Savior all the day and so may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May he be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift the light of his countenance upon you. May he grant you his peace. And so may the name of the Lord be upon you to guide and protect you in all your ways. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen.